so excited about the hunger healings are taking place in the services. Um, wow. Get in God's presence and uh, you, you, praise looks so beautiful on you. Did you know that? It looks good on you. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. One more thing. Kairos and Glynis. Yeah, Wednesday nights, we are meeting here to pray. We, had, we just don't have an agenda. Just if you have free time on Wednesday night, we're meeting right here for about an hour and a half or two or whatever God, God leads. It's been awesome. It really has. Hallelujah. This morning, we're blessed to have Glennis bring our blessed life moment. The subject of my blessed life moment this morning is developing a thankful heart. There was a family story that I heard in my childhood and it ran through my growing up years of uh, a time when my mother and dad were in desperation. And uh, I think it probably was before I was born, but I had by the time I was born, we, my mother already had six children, and my dad was out of work and didn't have any work to do, and he uh, had arranged to go to North Dakota to help in the harvest, as was common in those days. And um, my mother was getting him ready to go with another person, I don't remember who it was. Um, and she, in her preparations, went and made their bed. And in the bed, she found a penny. And in those days, a postcard cost a penny. How many of you remember that? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> but she was so thankful for that penny because she could buy a postcard and she could give it to my dad to bring with him to North Dakota to uh, write back and tell how it was going and where he was. And that's so we grew up with the need. She didn't say, oh, I was so lucky to find a penny in the bed. She thanked the Lord. It was his provision. Thank you, Lord, for that penny. And so that's kind of the basis of my upbringing, is to be thankful. And of course, I've forgotten it over the years at times. And now I'm trying again to develop a thankful heart. Because as you know, what is in your heart is what comes out your mouth. Uh, the verse I want to read to you is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it is Paul's admonition to the Thessalonians about a good way to live. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have to develop this thankful heart. 
And we learn as a child when our mother says to us, or our dad, when someone gives us something, and then they say, what do you say? And you are trained then to say thank you every time you realize you've been given something. And you know, we're given things by God every day. And we forget to say thankful some, we, we forget to say thank you sometimes. So I'm going to go over a few things in my life uh, that remind me of this. One thing is God's timing. I remember an occasion when I was driving home from town, and I met a pickup on a corner, and uh, there was nothing unusual about it. I just kept going, and, but I looked in my rearview mirror as we met and went on down the road, and here a two-by-four had blown out of, bounced out of his pickup and was right in my lane, in the air, and landed on my lane that I had just passed through. And I had to say, thank you, Lord, for the timing. If it had been a couple seconds later, I might have had my windshield broken or something worse. So that was one time when I said thank you. And I, I think all of you have, who drive can, can hone in on having deer on the road, that we thank the Lord for the timing sometimes. It's not that I haven't been, I, I call it, that I've been hit by a deer instead of the deer hitting me. Anyway, <laughs> just the other day, I was going to town, and three uh, deer crossed the road in front of me. And you know how that is. You always wonder if there's another deer that's going to cross the road, don't you? And so I slowed down, and the fourth one was right at the edge of the road. And it stood there and waited and evaluated and decided that it would cross the road in front of me. But I had enough time to break and to and to slow down and let that deer go across the road and keep my eyes to see if there was a fifth, fifth deer that would follow it. And then you have to say, thank you, Lord, because you could have hit, hit any of them if you just went along and weren't alert. And you have to thank the Lord that he knows the timing of everything. He knows when you're going to go down. He tells that deer, wait a little while for her to gather her wits and to put a press on her brakes. You believe that? One time, uh, my granddaughter and I were walking down the road, and a big bear came out of the woods and was going to cross the road. And I stood up and I said, Bear, you go back in the woods. You have no business bothering us. Or, or words like that. And the bear... <laughs> and the bear turned around and went back into the woods again. And then when my uh, granddaughter called her mother later on, she told how she had commanded that bear 
to go back into the woods. <laughs> Do we say when something like that happens? Do we say, I sure was lucky? No. We say, we change our vocabulary and we say, thank you, Lord, for your protection. How about the mundane things as you go through the week? When you step on the scale in the morning, do you say, thank you, Lord, I didn't gain another pound? Or do you say, help! <laughs> and confess that you ate too much yesterday. Do you ever thank the Lord when they've turned the faucets and the water comes out? It's such a mundane thing, and yet it's a gift. There's sometimes when the water doesn't come out of the faucets. Do you say thank you, Lord, when the lawnmower starts after a winter of being stored away? I do. Sometimes my husband will go out and see if he can start the lawnmower, the tiller, and then he'll come back in and he'll say, you must have been praying <laughs> because it will start. How about when the fuel truck comes? One time this winter when we had that real cold spell, we were off the schedule and we were trying to get back on the schedule and we only had 10 gallons left in our tank downstairs. And the fuel truck drove in. And did you see, can you imagine this old lady dancing in the kitchen? Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I don't even know how to get the furnace started if it stops. <laughs> One more story. Another thing I've been thankful for uh, before this story is this winter's been a hard winter. And there's many times when I didn't want to get out of bed. I just wanted to stay in bed all day long. I thought that would be the ultimate uh, satisfaction for that day. But one morning I woke up again with a song in my spirit. And it was a song that we had sung on Sunday morning. And that, that phrase, that encouraging phrase of that song went over and over in my spirit. So now I'm tuned again to listen, as you've heard me say before probably. Listen for what's in your spirit when you wake up, and you'll probably find a song down in there repeating itself. Uh, a while ago, my brakes on my car started making a lot of noise when I stepped on them. Now you know that's trouble, right? On Monday, I went in for a dentist appointment, and I drove very carefully because the brake, every time I stepped on the brakes, I didn't know if they were gonna work or not. And they were making noise. And it was embarrassing. On Tuesday morning, I called the garage and I asked for an appointment if they could assess what to do with my brakes, expecting to go there and have them tell me later on, on Thursday or Friday, you can come in and we'll fix your brakes. Well, I, uh, they said come in at 11, so I was there. And uh, 
they went and took my car in. And it was a man who was in charge, and he's a man of very few words. So he came back into the little waiting room, and he just got on the phone. He didn't say anything. And he got on the phone, and, uh, and then he said to me, the parts will be here pretty soon. And went out again. And I heard some banging and stuff in the garage. And I figured that he was already starting to work on them. And he wasn't going to wait for Thursday or Friday to make an appointment. And pretty soon the man with the parts came. And he came and took the parts and went back into the garage again. Didn't say anything. Pretty soon he came back carrying my key. They're all done. You're all set. And it cost maybe half of what I had thought that it might cost. Do you think I said thank you, Lord? I sure did. And I said it all the way home. And there's many times when I can say thank you, Lord, and develop that thankful heart that he wants to do in us like a child. Uh, when the Lord prompts, and the Lord might prompt me to say, what do you say now? Thank you, Lord. Wouldn't it be great if we had a whole church full of thankful people? Maybe we do. I don't know you all. They'd say, thank you, Lord. We'd become stronger when we did it. Gus, we'll have you start heading up this way. Gus Shogren is going to share our message from the Word this morning for us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm hooked up. <clears throat> Sometimes you feel like Shadrach and Meshach and Obendigo just about the time they're going to get thrown in the fiery furnace. You've all heard this story. Just before they got thrown in, Obednego turns to Meshach. He says, did you pray through? My question to you this morning, did you pray through? Hallelujah. I could tell another story. Pastor, he's upset with one of his elders in the church because they're always going to sleep during the sermon. So one day he decides he has to do something about it. So the elder is sitting there, he's sound asleep. And he says, Everybody that wants to go to heaven, he says, stand up. And everybody stood up, except the elder. And so everybody sat down. And then he said, everybody that wants to go to hell, stand up! <laughs> and the elder stood up. Yeah. 
And he looked at the pastor. He said, I don't know what I said yes to. He said, but you and I are the only ones that agreed to it. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. That Sunday after Easter, it's excited. It's an exciting time to be walking in the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. But are we there? Have we really received what God has done? You know, sometimes we're like the apostles. After they crucified Jesus. And they put him in the tomb. They didn't know what to do. They didn't really realize what God had done. And so Jesus had to come back. And the Bible says that over a period of 40 days, he appeared over and over to the disciples. And not just the disciples and the apostles, but even to the women. He would appear in their midst. And they thought it was a ghost, and fear would fall on them. And he would say, peace be with you. Shalom. And that's God's peace. That we have, once we know him, in the fullness of his power. Oh, hallelujah. And the Bible says that yet some of them doubted. I mean, he's standing there in their midst, and there was still doubt in their hearts. Even though they could see him, they still didn't believe. And he had to hold out his hand and say, put your finger in the wound in my hand. Touch me and see if I'm real. Because it was not a spirit. He came in the body. He came in the flesh. The Bible said that he sat down and ate with them. Fish and honeycombs. And a spirit cannot sit down and eat. He came back in the flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He manifested his glory and his power over and over again. We remember the story of Peter. He didn't know what to do, so he went back fishing. The last chapter of John. And the Bible says that he fished all night, and he caught nothing. You know, I read that, and I thought, well, the story of my life. But then he heard a voice. Do you have any meat? Cast your net on the right side of the boat. And when we hear that voice that belongs to Jesus, oh, it can change our lives. The Bible says that sheep Hear my voice. 
and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And it's at that point in our lives when we say yes to Jesus, and we hearken to his voice, the voice of the Spirit of God, that things begin to change. Oh, hallelujah. And we realize that we are no longer alone, but God is with us. We remember that promise that he made that I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I, be, I will be with you always until the end of time. And so he's there. And if we go to the book of Acts, and this is what I want to talk about this morning. Acts 1.8. The Bible says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And then he goes on to say, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and Black Duck, and Ten Strike, in Park Rapids, in Mexico, in Africa. Oh, hallelujah. It says you will. You can start with you. Who was he talking to? He was talking to you. That word is for you. It's not for pastors and preachers and apostles, teachers and evangelists. It's for you. Say, it's for me. That word is for me, that I will. My book says, I shall. That's getting to be old English. You don't hear that word very much anymore. But that means that it will come to pass. Future tense. Yes. The word of the Lord. It will come to pass. You will receive. But you know, in order to receive, you gotta, you got to open your heart. Sometimes, you know, to receive a gift, you have to open your hands. You have to believe that, yes, this is for me in this hour. And I want to get to that place in Christ where this is manifested in my life. That I want what God has for me. I want it all. That deutimous power of the Holy Ghost. Faith to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that every word that is spoken, and that he spoke while he was on this earth, can and will come to pass in my life. That the words that I speak, they are life. And if I'm speaking in line with God's words, with faith believing, then it will come to pass. 
I will, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You know, in the Old Testament, it only, it only came on kings and prophets. But we live in that new dispensation of God's grace. We live and walk under a better covenant with better promises. And so now that same anointing is available to each and every one of us. But there is a price to pay. You have to lay down your life. You have to take up your cross and follow Jesus. But God is there in power. Oh, how he wants to manifest that power in our lives, in his church, in this hour. You know, the Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that I will raise up a standard against him. We live in a time, we live in the last chapter of the book, when it's winding down to a final climax, when persecution is rising up against the church, And this is the hour of God's power. When God wants to anoint his people so that in the midst of the darkness we would be a flaming fire. Oh, hallelujah. You know, you can light a match and it's not very impressive. But if you light a match in a room that is totally dark, oh, it's a big light. And that's the world we live in today, in a dark world. So dark <clears throat> that there's a whole generation of people who have not even heard the gospel. And yet, <clears throat> we live in a time when revival is breaking out. That there is a supernatural move of God. You know, the Bible talks about the hand of the Lord coming on people. Have you ever felt the hand of the Lord? Some of you have. But the Spirit of God is there. To anoint his people. Sometimes it's a physical power. I've seen that. where supernatural things happen. I remember once I was in the hills. They wanted me to get on the mule and ride. And I thought, I looked up at that mule and I thought, 
There's no saddle, there's no bridle. How am I going to get up on that mule? I thought, well, I'm going to have to jump. But when the power of God comes on you, sometimes you jump so high. I jumped, and I jumped clear over the mule, and I landed on the ground on the other side. I didn't know if I should be amazed or if I should. I felt stupid, I think, <laughs> laying on the ground. But you know, I was with a bunch of Indians, you know, and nobody cracked a smile. Nobody said a word. <laughs> so I went back again, and I thought, well, this time I'm not going to jump quite so high. And I got in up on top of that mule, and I got to ride instead of walk like everybody else. And I've told this story before. They tried to rob me once on the border of El Salvador and Guatemala. And I had all my money in my front pocket. Usually don't carry it there. But you know, you're going into a different country, you need different money. So they have money changers, you know, you need to change your money. I was leaving one country, you know, going into a different country, so instead of quetzales, you need limpiedas. Go to Mexico, you need pesos. And this big guy comes up behind me, stuck his hand in my pocket, and grabbed all my money, all of it. And in that instant, the Spirit of the Lord, the hand of the Lord came over me. And I grabbed that hand and, you know, I did a good old judo karate move on him, threw him on the ground. I never thought about what I was doing. Took that money away from him. But what really made me mad was there was hundreds of people standing around. The buses were all full of people. Not one person come and help me. I got that money back. That guy jumped up and run. And I chased him, I don't know how many blocks down the street. Because <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't happy to get my money back. I wanted to throttle him. <laughs> I felt like Joshua with the jawbone of the ass. I mean, I was ready to kill him. That's the spirit of the Lord. And after a few blocks and the guy, I almost had him. He stopped on the corner and turned around to look to see what was chasing him. He thought the devil was after him. I know that he did. <laughs> and the Lord showed me this little vision, you know, the police coming, you know, after I'd beaten this guy half to death trying to explain what had happened. And I realized right there, they just let it go. And so I turned around and walked back to the bus. But I was still mad, you know, that anger, holy anger. All those people back there, none of them would help me. But boy, did they treat me with respect. But that doesn't happen very often. No, there's the story of the old evangelist. 
And I've heard this story more than once. He's out preaching the gospel and he's visiting people and he's walking. And he walks through the pasture and there's a big Guernsey bull in that pasture. And if you know anything about bulls, that Guernsey bulls can be mean. That was his pasture. That was his territory. And they should have had a no trespassing sign on that fence. They said that bull had killed a man in a different village and they'd hauled him up there and sold him to someone else. But he didn't know it. And he said he's walking through the middle of that pasture and he's too far from the fence to turn around and run. And that bull is coming at him. He said, and all of a sudden, the love of God just come down on him. He said, the love of God for that bull and for every living creature. And he said, when that happened, he said, that old bull stopped, stared a minute, and turned around and went back and laid down. That's the hand of the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. Talk about the power gifts of the Spirit. But in the middle of 12 and 14 is chapter 11. That talks about the love of God. And the Bible says that faith worketh by love. And it says faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, not faith, the greatest of these is love. Oh, hallelujah. They tell the story of that same old preacher. One day he got up and he walked out on his porch. And there's a mother possum laying there with a whole bunch of newborn babies. And you know that only a possum and a kangaroo have a pouch where they carry their babies. But that possum had been hurt. You know, and there was maggots on her shoulder where she had been hurt. But she demonstrated a mother, mother's love. That she was there taking care of her babies with her last drop, her last ounce of life. And the pastor's wife come out there and he said, well, you got to kill that old possum. Put it out of its misery. But he just didn't have the heart to do it. And so that old possum laid out there day after day. And one night he's sitting out on the porch and his little daughter got up and he said, I can't sleep, Daddy. He said, I'm, 
I'm just thinking about that old mother possum and her babies. Dad, can't you do something? And after three days, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, why don't you pray for that possum? And this is a man with a healing anointing. And so he prayed for the possum. And after he got done praying, that old mama possum picked up her babies, put them in her pouch, walked off to the woods. That's the power of God. Oh, hallelujah. They tell another story about that man. And this story is very well documented. He had a vision. And in the vision, he saw this little boy that had had an accident and he had gotten killed. But it was a strange vision. And the little boy was wearing strange clothes. He had knee socks on and he had, you know, knicker pants that only went to the knees with big buttons on them. And he had blonde hair and blue eyes. And he told his church about the vision. He said, that vision will come to pass one day. He said, write it down. He said, open your Bibles up now. He said, write it down on the fly leaf of your Bible. He said, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know where it's going to happen. But he said, that'll come to pass. And two years later, he was in Finland. And they're driving down the road. And they saw a car in front of them going 60 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, two little kids run out in the road. And one kid hit the fender and bounced up against the tree. And the other kid bounced and landed in front of the car. The guy was going to hit the brake, but he didn't hit the brake. He hit the gas. And he drove right over that little kid, and the back tires spit him out. And so they drove up there, and the one kid was still alive, and the other one was dead, and his body was crushed. And that evangelist, when he looked at that little boy, he said, he looks familiar. I've seen him before. And he said to the friend that was with him, he said, open the fly of your Bible and read what it says. And he said, this is that boy. God is going to raise him from the dead. And he prayed for him. 
And God healed him. Oh, hallelujah. And don't you know that revival broke out in that place? And that's what God wants to do again. He wants revival to break out. He wants to manifest his glory in our midst. But we have to open our hearts. We have to receive that power that he would send. Oh, hallelujah. When that Holy Ghost comes upon you, it can happen once in your life. It can happen a thousand times. God wants to do it over and over again. Things begin to change. Oh, hallelujah. After Christ was crucified, there was a change in the church. It was no longer Jesus performing the miracles. It was God's people. It was Peter. Remember Peter? Who denied Christ three times before the cock crowed. Peter. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Said that Peter and John were on the way to the temple. Called beautiful. At the hour of prayer. About the ninth hour. And they saw a lame man who never had walked, begging for alms, asking for a handout. And Peter, beholding this man, seeing that he had faith to be healed, he said, look on us. He was trying to get his attention. God is trying to get our attention. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, arise and walk. And the Bible says, grabbing him by his hand, lifting him up. And as he lifted him, Strength came into his ankles and feet. And the man leaped and walked. And so they went into the temple. He walked. He ran. He leaped. Praising God. Hallelujah. And all those people in the temple knew that man. They knew he had been there every day. They probably had to carry him there, or he had to drag himself. And suddenly he was healed by the almighty power of God. And that was Peter, and that was John. But if we read the scriptures, it wasn't just the apostles. The Bible talks about Stephen the great and mighty works that he did in the name of the Lord Jesus. Until there rose up a persecution against him. And they took him out and stoned him. And who was there but Saul of Tarsus? 
assenting in agreement with his death, the Bible says. Guarding his cloak while they threw the stones. But Paul didn't know that he was going to take his place. And if you go to chapter 9 in the book of Acts, oh, we know what happened. On the road to Damascus, the heavens opened, and Saul heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And then he said, it's hard to prick against, to kick against the pricks. And Saul fell to the ground. And that bright light that he saw from heaven blinded him. And he lost his eyesight. They had to lead him by the hand. And Saul said, Lord, what shall I do? That should be our prayer. Lord, what shall I do? And the Lord spoke to him and said, go into the city, to the street called Straight. For there is a man named Ananias who has seen in a vision that he is to go lay hands on you that you would receive your sight and you would receive the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. So Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he doesn't even show up in the book of Acts till chapter 8 and 9. And so there's people like Paul out there who are waiting for somebody to go preach to them so that God can raise them up so that they can do mighty works in the name of the Lord. And sometimes it's the worst ones. The people whose heart are the hardest against the gospel that will open their hearts and receive and become his greatest witnesses. So we need to be led by the Lord about what we do, where we go, who we talk to, but how we talk to them. And sometimes you can minister to people without saying a word by simply walking in love and guarding the words of your mouth. Because it's the Spirit of God that's working through you. And people can feel it sometimes. And they know that there's something different about you. And they want to know what it is. They want that deuteronomous power of the Holy Ghost. They want to be changed 
Some people can't let go of what's binding them. And it's only the power of God that can break the spirit of alcohol and addiction and unbelief and fear. Suicide. Oh, hallelujah. We live in a broken world. And the one thing they need is Jesus. I want to share a scripture from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. So the power of hell and the power of death and the darkness of this world has been broken over us. Jesus led captivity captive that we might be free in this hour, free to do his will, free to receive that dunamis power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That the hand of the Lord might come on us. Oh, hallelujah. I remember on the mission field, people would come to me, <clears throat> and they wanted me to pray for them. They treated me like a witch doctor. And I would always say, why do you come to me? I have no power to heal. But I know someone who does. His name is Jesus. And if you will receive him in your life, then God will answer your prayer. I never forget the man who brought his daughter to me. She was dying of whooping cough. And she would cough and cough, and then she would vomit. She would asphyxiate on her own vomit. Then she couldn't breathe. I said, I don't have the power to heal her. But I know someone who does. I said, I'll pray for her. If you give your life to Jesus and agree to follow him. And I remember praying for her right there because he accepted Christ as his Savior. And he agreed to come to church that night. And they did. And when they came, that little girl was healed. She was healed. So for a couple weeks, he came to church. And then he quit coming. And that whooping cough came back on his daughter. And he came back to me again. 
can you pray for my daughter? And I say the same thing. Why did you come to me? You agreed to change your life, to come to church every day or every time we had church. I said, you stopped. You turned your back on God. You forgot about him. I said, repent. And ask God to forgive you. And tell him that you're going to change your ways. Then I said, I'll pray for your daughter. And he did that. And God healed his daughter again. And what I remember is after they put me in jail, run me out of that village, the last man to come and see me and walk me out of the village was that man and his little daughter. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. God wants to move in a supernatural way in your life. For surely, surely, it will come to pass. She was praying. She needed strength to run the race this morning. Oh, Receive that dutimous power of God. Everybody. Oh, reach out your hand right now. That power is here. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. I wanted them to sing that song this morning. It's beginning to rain. And you know, it rained all week. But what we need are the rains of the Holy Ghost. Fill us, Lord, right now, where we sit, where we stand. Oh, let the hand of the Lord come down on each and every one of us today, individually. Touch us. Fill us to overflowing with your love, with your Holy Spirit, that rivers of life would flow through us, that we would be witnesses to those around us, that they would see our faith, they would see our joy, they would see that we stand when everyone else falls that we have peace in our lives when everybody else is confused, that we have strength when others have none to face whatever's going on in our lives. Lord, we just ask for that spirit of faith. You know, we've all been given a measure of faith. Oh, Lord, just open our eyes to see the angels that surround us that do your bidding, Lord, as we speak your word.
as we cry out in faith believing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that I've been strengthened today. That I will walk this week in your deutimous power. That Holy Ghost power. That I will be led by your Spirit to those who need an encouraging word to do your work. Lord, we ask you to bless the work of our hands. Oh, hallelujah. You have promised to make us the head and not the tail. To lend and not to borrow. We are above and not beneath. Thank you, Lord, that we do not walk through this world alone. But you have sent an angel to lead us and guide us. That you have filled us with that power of the Holy Spirit. To do the works of God. To undo the works of Satan. In that mighty name that is above all names. In that mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Hallelujah. Gus, why don't you stay there just a moment? Okay. Um, ben, is Ben here? Ben Bush? And Bob and Julie, why don't you come up here too? Uh, ben is going to be doing a six-week internship in Georgia with Pastor Emmanuel was also from Cass Lake and uh, we just want to send him forth with a word of prayer today and do you have something there to, sh to show or uh, yeah. okay 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 oh okay sure put that up there why don't you just read that first So the letter says, we are excited to invite Benjamin to our CPC internship in Thomasville, Georgia. Over the duration of six weeks, Benjamin will be a part of a church plant and participate in the grand opening. In our internship program, there will be mentoring, biblical education, and hands-on experience. The areas that will be highlighted in this internship is serving to help the church with its grand opening, growing in unity and friendships with other team members, learning about character and integrity, being mentored and serving in our creative department, helping accomplish creative projects, helping in construction work, pre prepping a studio for renovation, um, and then it says, we are so excited for all God is going to do in and through Benjamin's time with us at Central Point Church in Thomasville, Georgia. So that's the letter right there. And we're going to pray over Ben 
together. Why don't you all stand up with us here? I'm going to have Gus lead us in that prayer. Bob and Julie, why don't you come out here, Ben, where we can stand behind you. And uh, you can just reach out a hand toward him if you want. And also, he, he could use some support financially. So if you could talk to him about that, if you have an interest, just talk to Ben. And he'll tell you how to do that. So, got a slide. I got a slide. I guess Carson can put the slide up for donation-wise, and yeah, you can talk to me after church. I'll be at the the back table there and donate now or <laughs> in the future. Or it's it's all up to you. But we just want to tell you before we start, Ben, when this is all over, y'all come back now here. <laughs> Father, we just lift Ben up, Father. We just lift up that ministry. Father, we just thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that he carries with him. Father, we just thank you that as they seek God, that God will manifest in their midst. And that he'll come back a changed man, changed by the power of the Holy Ghost, endued with power from on high. Father, we thank you for that, that this will change his life. Give him a hope and a future in Jesus, a reason for living. Oh, a path to walk in. Father, we just thank you for that. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you that you use Ben to reach out and touch people's lives. To minister to those other students that are there with him. As well as people that he meets on the way. Father, we send him out in the name of Jesus. And we cover him with the blood. And Father, we just thank you that he goes anointed with the power of your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah that he goes in your strength and not in his own, to do your work and not his own. Father, we just thank you that signs will follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. So Ben will be out in the foyer there. And now those that would want to, okay, let's cut the live stream there. Are we cut?